Life Talk Radio presents Health and Longevity, the program dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge information and interviews that can change your life. On each edition, nutritionist, registered dietitian, and board-certified anti-aging health practitioner, Dr. John Westerdahl, will show you how to achieve a longer, healthier life using the latest breakthroughs in nutrition, wellness, and lifestyle medicine. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Westerdahl. Hello, this is Dr. Westerdahl, and I want to just mention today that we are honored to have my good friend and colleague, Dr. Irana Hawkins, one of the nation's leading experts on nutrition and planetary health. Dr. Hawkins is only sharing today a small portion of the wealth of information that she has on this topic on our short 30-minute program today. As a result, I would like to personally invite you to attend a free webinar that Dr. Hawkins will be presenting titled, Nutrition for Nature, Action for Planetary Health. This free webinar will be held online on Sunday, November 13th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You will not want to miss this free informative webinar hosted by the Adventist Nutrition and Dietetics International Association. Learn how the food that you eat can either be negative or positive for the health of the planet. The webinar is open and free of charge for all my radio listeners to attend. And if you are a health professional, you can also get free continuing education credits for attending the webinar. Now, to learn more about this webinar and to register free of charge, visit www.adventistdietetics.org. That's www.adventistdietetics.org. Adventist is spelled A-D-V-E-N-T-I-S-T, and then the word dietetics is D-I-E-T-E-T-I-C-S.org. With you. So look for the webinar coming up on Sunday, November 13th. And now, Health and Longevity's special feature, where Dr. Westerdahl interviews leading experts and personalities on vital topics important to your health and longevity. And our special guest today on Health and Longevity is Dr. Irana Hawkins. Dr. Hawkins is a professor, a dietitian educator, a native plant steward, a master recycler composter, and advocate of the natural environment. Her research focuses on the connection between diet and climate change, planetary health, the use of plant-based diets in healthcare practice, and zero-waste efforts. She's a member of the Planetary Health Alliance, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, the Hunger and Environmental Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group, and the Vegetarian Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Well, Dr. Hawkins, thank you so much for being with us today on Health and Longevity. Thank you, and good afternoon to you and your listeners, John. It's truly my pleasure to be here. I also want to thank you for the excellent vignette you wrote for the book that's entitled Planning and Serving Plant-Based Meals at Medical Conferences. Irana, I feel honored to have been able to write something for your book. And of course, as you know, as a nutritionist and dietitian, we're always trying to get the word out and write and lecture and talk and reach as many people as we have. And your book is an excellent book. But before we get into the discussion of the book and dig into the different aspects of the book itself... Tell us a little bit about how you became involved in environmental sustainability and advocating for biodiversity. 
Well, I am a member of the nation's Generation X demographic cohort. And when I grew up, uh, disposable forks and knives and paper plates and coffee cups and readily eating away from home was the exception versus the norm. And unfortunately, food systems related waste has become the new norm. So if you didn't grow up with it and you can't justify it, it's jarring. And I'm fortunate that my father was a conservationist and steadfast in his beliefs and his lifestyle behaviors supported the natural environment. So I was taught to engage in conservation at a young age. And another important point is that our family vacations consisted of driving to the great national parks of the Western United States. So at a young age, I was exposed to the remarkable beauty of the natural environment. And in fact, when I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time as a young girl, I told my dad that it couldn't be real, that it was fake, that it was too perfect to be real. And my dad chuckled and he said, oh, no, sweetheart, no artist could make something so sensational. I never forgot that comment as he was conveying that nature is an artist in a league of its own. Mm. And I'll add that um, in the qualitative research portion of my dissertation, I sought to understand why some dietitians are leading the charge of environmental care. And one prominent theme that emerged in the data was that important and supportive environmental experiences in youth was credited in shaping environmental leadership as an adult. And that data was published in the Journal of Hunger and Environmental Nutrition in 2015. And today we see the 16-year-old Swedish vegan climate activist Greta Thunberg who's yeah. been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, she's very impressive. And she understands that diet and, importantly, our actions play a major role in environmental degradation. Um, and we convey, also convey this in the book Promoting Biodiversity in Food Systems. And the reason why we're advocating for biodiversity in this book is because it's the most thoughtful and comprehensive path moving forward. Because biodiversity encompasses all of the millions upon millions of living beings, whether we can see them or not, whether they are plants or animals or birds or reptiles or fungi or microbes in our soil, and along with their respective ecosystems on the planet, they make our lives possible here in the Earth system. Everything we need to live comes from biodiversity and the Earth system, such as food, medicine, shelter, our gadgets. But there's a price tag to pay for it, and we've largely failed to recognize that. So with our planet in peril, we need to understand that everything is connected, whether we can see it or not. So when advocating for biodiversity, we're advocating for everything, which is a nice big umbrella, so we don't have to pick or choose what to advocate for. And um, mention two more things here, John. I want to stress that scientists note that we're in a dire situation with regard to biodiversity loss, calling it a sixth mass extinction at the hands of humans. And importantly, um, biodiversity along with climate change are key factors in regulating the Earth system. And the last thing is that being a dietitian really is a perfect place to work in environmental stewardship and environmental leadership because food and food systems are at the front of environmental degradation, as well as health and well-being. You know, so you've written this book, Promoting Biodiversity in Food Systems. You've written and also you know, been the editor with a bunch of other authors who have contributed to that. Tell us about how this book really came about. 
Well, I spoke at FENCI in 2015, and FENCI is the Food and Nutrition Convention and Expo, uh, which is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics annual national conference, which is thought to be the largest gathering of food and nutrition professionals in the world, roughly 10,000 attendees. So I was fortunate to speak about this topic um, to our colleagues and was also um, privileged to speak with Dr. Catherine Badgley of the University of Michigan. And our session on um, biodiversity and sustainable agriculture was very well received. And thereafter, Ms. Randy Brem, who's the senior editor of Agriculture and Nutrition at CRC Press, contacted me to discuss the possibility of a book. So I wrote the book proposal and we moved forward accordingly. But I'm very grateful to Ms. Bram and her colleagues that they could see the importance of piecing these, um, what some people may think as seemingly disparate areas of the food system, uh, biodiversity, and planetary health, and um, putting them together because there's many pieces to the puzzle. Well, tell us about what sets this book apart from some of the other books that are out there on the market today on uh, food systems. Well, we, you know, we take a unique approach, and the book is framed um, first and foremost by biodiversity loss, but also by planetary health and the planetary boundaries and the impact of food and food systems on and health care. We put these all together as none can be separated. And of course, biodiversity itself is critical for healthy food production, um, as well as the health of the planet, as I've mentioned. But I want to define a few terms. Planetary health may be a new concept uh, for many, and it is a welcome new scientific paradigm that connects both the health of humans and the planet as they cannot be separated. So planetary health declares that we create health and well-being simultaneously for humans and the planet. Now, the planetary boundaries is a scientific framework that measures the integrity of the Earth system as a whole and its impact on humanity. Reaching our planetary boundaries will increase the likelihood that the Earth system will be increasingly challenging for us humans, as we've witnessed in recent years with catastrophic floods and hurricanes, wildfires, Yes. And so forth. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the state of biodiversity loss is deeply concerning as we breach this planetary boundary. And uh, so there is an urgency to repair and restore and regenerate um, the earth for all the living beings and all the living systems of the planet. We also examine the industrialized food system in this book and the mass production of highly processed and packaged foods that degrade human health and the natural environment that not only contribute to chronic diseases, but the disposable plastic packaging that food is consumed or transported in is destructive to biodiversity as well. You may have seen the CNN World headline just the other day, April 1st, 2019, that read, quote, pregnant whale washed up in Italian tourist spot had 22 kilograms of plastic in its stomach, end quote. Right. Um, which is really heartbreaking. And we really need to make major changes moving forward um, as realities such as this are, are unacceptable. And in this book, we've also addressed undervalued aspects of the food system, such as examining who's growing our food, seed saving, cooking our food from scratch once again, the role of urban planning in promoting biodiversity, the concept of just and fair food, and the importance of serving whole plant foods that are grown healthfully in a regenerative manner. Good. 
Yeah. And as an example, avocados from the industrialized food system have been linked to the destruction of monarch butterfly habitat in Michoacan, Mexico. And I was not aware of that until our astute contributing authors uh, pointed this out. So while wholesome plant-based foods, as we know, can be good for both body and the planet, we must consider how these plant foods are grown because they must not only positively impact human health, but also biodiversity and ecosystems. And one more point I'll mention on this topic is that we identify everyday solutions in the book. So we may not realize our individual and collective power in shaping the food system and protecting biodiversity in both our personal and professional lives, but the book stresses actions and solutions that are truly inspiring. Now, you wrote the first chapter of this book entitled The Intersection of Food, Biodiversity, and Health. Tell us about this concept of the Anthropocene and ecological overshoot. Okay, perfect. So the Anthropocene has been described by scientists as the distinct geological era where humans are degrading the planet by way of the exponential use of resources that includes increased use of energy, fertilizer, water, transportation, and so forth that has corresponded with increased greenhouse gas emissions, tropical forest loss, increases in the earth surface temperatures, the acidification of the ocean, dead zones, um, etc. And these all have a catastrophic impact on the natural environment. And here in the U.S., we tend to use an, an exponential amount of resources as a society, and we're a major contributor to greenhouse gas emissions as well. So there's much room for improvement here. We definitely need to create changes on a massive scale to protect and bolster biodiversity. And moving on to the term ecological overshoot, the Global Footprint Network in Oakland, California, it's their charge to measure our consumption of natural resources. And they coined this term ecological overshoot that refers to the fact that we humans use the year's natural budget of natural resources before they can even be naturally replenished in a year's time. And it is startling And uh, unfortunately, we're consuming far too much each year, and we keep getting better and better each year at this too. So obviously, this is not a sustainable trajectory. And again, it will take a massive effort to create the changes that we need to see. And that's why an interdisciplinary approach and focus on the whole and all of its parts is critical. And I'll give an example of this, uh, another example that ties into the whale that I mentioned um, just a minute ago. A million seabirds perish each year due to plastics pollution. So if we eliminated disposable plastics that we use in food service, uh, we not only save money and resources, but we can protect biodiversity. And there's numerous ways the food system impacts biodiversity, and we've included many of them in this book. So we really need to rethink our everyday consumption patterns, both at work and at home, um, whether it's the foods you put on your plate or the type of plate you use itself. So tell us about, you had uh, actually 38 contributing authors of your book, and that includes 14 registered dietitians. Tell us about the different uh, people that are all involved in putting this uh, really great book together. Well, it's a talented group of contributing authors, and they demonstrate their expansive depth and breadth of expertise. So whether uh, it's a conservation biologist, a physician, an educator, a facilities engineer, a registered nurse, a hospital administrator, an urban planner, a registered dietitian, or some combination of both or, or more. 
So as an example, uh, Ms. Kimberly Hodgson, who co-wrote the chapter Urban Planning for Biodiversity and Food Systems, is both a registered dietitian and a certified urban designer, mm. which is a perfect combination for supporting planetary health and biodiversity. Right. And I am especially proud that 14 registered dietitians have contributed to the book. So we are a small health profession, but our profession can offer important solutions. And I like to say that our profession of dietetics is at the root of good health. Uh-huh. Um, also add that some of the contributing dietitians uh, may be members of HEN, which is the Hunger and Environmental Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group, or members of VN, which is the Vegetarian Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group. And there's five contributing authors that are also members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and that includes both you and I, John, and both members of VN and HEN, too. Right. Uh, but the point I'd like to make about that is that we... Again, I'll stress that we need to function in an interdisciplinary capacity and be skilled across our professions if we are to protect biodiversity and planetary health. And dietetics and health professionals, um, you know, we lend to this. And certainly there's nothing more interdisciplinary than food and nutrition. And I'll add one more thing about the contributing authors. Many, and I mean many, are pioneers and trailblazers. Um, as an example, Dr. Allison Harmon and Ms. Um, Angie Tagto are both hen dietitians and leaders in, this, in helping establish environmental sustainability within the dietetics profession. And certainly there's been exceptional vegetarian nutrition dietetic practice group leaders that have gone before us too. And I know your scholarship, John, focuses in part on the late dietitian, Mrs. Lena Francis Cooper. And she was a right. founding member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and she was vegetarian. That's right. That's right. And we certainly can thank countless astute conservation biologists, scientists, healthcare providers, nutrition professionals, and food systems experts that paved the way for this book. And one, um, I want to mention that Dr. Loyal Merhoff, who wrote chapter two, which is entitled Biological Diversity, Life on Earth, he just retired as after a distinguished career of protecting biodiversity and ended his career at the Center for Biological Diversity as the Endangered Species Recovery Director. Now, this book has a lot of information in it. Tell us a little bit about how you structured the book. Two sections. The first half of the book introduces the problems at hand, biodiversity loss, how the industrialized food system impacts the planetary boundaries and human health and food insecurity. Uh, the role of food serving waste in the sea of plastics pollution that negatively impacts biodiversity in our waterways. We talk about the degradation of our soils, creating just and fair regional food systems. And again, um, the negative consequences associated with um, conventionally grown popular foods. We see more solutions emerge as we end the first section. Um, by identifying the role of small organic farmer co-ops in producing healthy foods that contribute to healthy ecosystems. And then the second half of the book largely focuses on how to walk the talk. So we discuss creating biodiversity-friendly solutions, such as the role of sustainable, truly sustainable and regenerative agriculture in the preservation of biodiversity, the importance of saving seeds and using urban planning to promote and protect biodiversity. We introduce the concept of veganic agriculture, um, how to create swales that can improve local watersheds, and demonstrating that what and how we cook, 
teach, grow food, work together, and practice healthcare can both promote and protect biodiversity. And we end the book with a call to help youngsters engage in the food system. So, Rana, there's so much information in this book. Tell us about some of the practical solutions that this book offers. Well, there are many. So first and foremost, whether you are a doctor or a nurse or a dietitian or an educator, you can, or just a concerned consumer, you can protect and promote biodiversity with regard to the foods you choose to put on your plate, the type of seeds you choose to grow, the foods you'll cook from scratch, how you'll generate the next generation of leaders, how you practice healthcare, how you run and design your business, how you will engage children with the food system, and so forth. It's not just one piece of the puzzle. It's many, which I continue to emphasize. But there's an emphasis on wholesome plant foods grown with care for the natural environment. And as more restaurants are serving plant-based dishes, um, we reinforce and encourage this aspect of planetary health. And we can incorporate a plant-rich diet daily, even when planning large conferences, such as what you do, John, for the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's annual conference. And in your vignette, you demonstrate how to make savory plant-based meals a reality, even when feeding large groups of people. And this doesn't have to be complicated. We also discuss how lifestyle medicine connects to planetary health because by prescribing fresh, healthy plant foods to our patients, we promote planetary health and diminish the use of unnecessary medicines related to chronic disease management. And in Chapter 19, the Sushi Buddhist Hospitals of Taiwan um, discuss that this can be done on a large scale and across multiple institutions. And I had the opportunity to visit both the Dalin and Taipei Sushi Buddhist Hospitals in Taiwan last fall, and what a treat it was to see these concepts of promoting biodiversity in action, from eliminating disposable tableware to their completely vegetarian kitchen. So I toured the kitchen of the Taipei Sushi Buddhist Hospital, and it was loaded with fresh, whole fruits and vegetables that were scrubbed, peeled, chopped, and deliciously prepared. And the hospital cafeteria has a gorgeous, tasty vegetarian buffet. You just wouldn't believe the massive array of colorful, beautiful food that's produced and consumed with virtually no waste. So in the U.S., at a meal service, you typically see our trash cans overflowing um, and again, it was so inspiring to see that these concepts can be incorporated in business and healthcare practice each and every day. I'll also add that I visited the Adventist Hospital in Taipei, and that's a vegan health-promoting hospital. So that was also a treat. Great. Yes. I also want to stress that creativity is demonstrated in this book. So as an example, uh, Dr. Allison Harmon uses experiential learning in an outdoor classroom where Montana State University students run the Towns Harvest Garden, which is a three-acre diversified, diversified vegetable farm in CSA. And then uh, Ms. Stacia Clinton, who's also a dietitian, writes about the work of healthcare without harm in creating a global network of healthcare providers that are committed to environmental sustainability. And they leverage buying power and creativity to solve food systems problems that can bolster both biodiversity and create fair and healthy food systems. And then there's the low-hanging fruit and low-tech solutions that we emphasize. Get back in the kitchen and start cooking food from scratch again. Save your seeds. Spend time outside with your children. Let children grow food, cook food, handle the compost, etc. 
purchase foods from those farmers and co-ops that are protecting the earth and biodiversity and so forth. So tell us about, you know, there, there's a lot of people that will be really interested in this book. Who are the type of people that really will appeal uh, to have this book as part of their library? Well, anybody, anybody who eats, really. Um, more specifically, people who are interested in learning about these connections between food, food systems, health, healthcare, planetary health, and our planetary boundaries. Uh, the goal now is to eat and live in a thoughtful manner where all living beings and living systems on the planet can thrive. So, Irana, where can people that are listening today actually purchase this book? Well, you can buy it on the CRC Press website, and the publisher is offering a special discount, 30% off each book while there's a larger discount for volume orders. You can contact George Kenny, and his direct line is area code 561-998-2544. Let's get that number again. 561-998-2544. And you should mention your name and the book, and you can get that discount. And also, it's on the CRC Web Press website, so that's www.crcpress.com, www.crcpress.com. But if you call that number, then uh, you can talk about getting the discount, right? That's right, yes. And for our listeners, if you miss getting the phone number or the website, you can go to lifetalkradio.net and go on the podcast of the show. You can hear it over again. So, Irana, what advice do you have for our listeners in their quest to care for biodiversity in our natural environment? Roll up your sleeves and take action. Have fun along the way. Stand strong as you may be the only person that understands planetary health in the entire room or your entire organization or perhaps even in your entire city. Remember that creating healthier lifestyle habits can be fun and simple and can go a long ways for biodiversity and planetary health. It can bring you closer as a family, as a workplace, as a community, as a school, as a region, a state, a faith community, and as a thoughtful member of our global society. It's really something we can all benefit from and be proud of and find ways to create those solutions. It's not just one thing that's important. It's everything. So, again, the book is Promoting Biodiversity in Food Systems, written by Dr. Irana Hawkins by CRC Press. If you didn't get the phone number and you didn't get the information where to call to get the discount on this book, you go back to the lifetalkradio.net website and get the podcast and you can hear it again. And I want to thank you so much, Irana, for being with us on the show today and keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, John, for having me on the show. And thanks again for all that you do for the dietetics profession and for promoting and embodying wellness. Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and longer fulfilled life? Then visit us at healthandlongevityradio.com. That's one word, healthandlongevityradio.com. There you'll find valuable information and resources that can help you achieve optimal health and give you the secrets to longevity. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. It could change your life. Until our next broadcast, this is Dr. John Westerdahl wishing you the best of health and longevity. This has been Health and Longevity with Dr. John Westerdahl, a production of Life Talk Radio. 
Join us again next week on the same station and time for health and longevity. The preceding information on this program has been general information about your health and is not to be taken as professional medical advice, nor is it intended to serve as a substitute for medical attention. Do not change your diet or exercise habits without guidance from your medical doctor, especially if you have health problems or are on medication. Do not change your medications without the advice and supervision of your medical doctor. If you have a medical condition, we encourage you to seek the consultation of a medical doctor experienced in dietary change and lifestyle medicine. And as always, we wish you the best of health.